You pressed play on this podcast with the click of curiosity. It is another dimension, a dimension of mind, a dimension where nothing is sacred and everything is explainable. You're streaming into a land of both inside and outside of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the midside. Welcome to the midside, where when we attack people with a hammer, we also use a sickle. I'm your host, Justin M. Lesneski, the hopeful romantic, and I retroactively and proactively denounce anything anyone has ever said and ever will say on this show. Joining me this trip from Dale's lawn, identifying as a woman to forgo his white male gay privilege, William Green. Hello, hello. Yeah, what a wonderful day to be back in America. I was in uh, Germany again this uh, this week, but... Uh... I, it looks like uh, I missed some farce while I was in Germany, uh, complaining about bad food in Germany, and then come back here, and man, we got a lot of farce to go through. Yeah, a lot of farce this week. A lot, a lot happened. We actually have five different topics to discuss, although I don't think we're going to touch on all of them for a long time. And a lot of them sort of follow the trends of what we usually talk about here on the show. So this is a good one to get into if you've never been part of the Midside before, if you've never listened, because you'll get an idea of what we like to talk about. And it's also a good one for you who have been listening for a long time, because uh, you get updates and you get to enjoy feeling like you're part of an inside conversation. Uh, William, do you have anything else you want to update everyone on before we, we head into the the farce? No, no, let's dive right into it. We got so much to go through. I'm excited. All right, hit the music for Life on the Midside. As always, if you'd like to support the show, you can do so through Patreon or Locals. Patreon is per episode. Locals is per month. That's the midside.com slash Patreon or the midside.com slash Locals. We accept any and all support, including or perhaps most of all affirmations. William, I think we are morally obligated to talk about one story that broke this week. I don't know. Do you think we're morally obligated to talk about Tom Brady and Giselle? I think if uh, if anyone's playing the uh, midside drinking game, we have to do it. But uh, warning, there's a lot of there's a lot of topics on the uh, on the midside drinking game this week. So pace yourself. <laughs> pace yourself. Yes, pace yourself. Drink uh, drink some natty light. I don't know if that's a <laughs> low quality alcohol, low low alcohol low content. Percent. All right, so. I'm sure everyone's heard by now, and I don't want to go into the exact statements. I want to talk sort of about our experience and our knowledge of the background of this, because I think that's what makes this the most interesting. Uh, Tom Brady and Giselle Bunchton announced their divorce this week. And you know, Tom, of course, Brady, he gave a statement on Instagram that, and I say of course, because it was sort of a genial statement where it was like, give us our privacy. This is a tough decision. We came to it and we're moving forward. Very much a uh, Patriots-like, Bill Belichick-like statement. And then I haven't heard of any statement from Giselle, but I guess the rumors are coming out that she needed more commitment from him because he wasn't around long enough. 
or often enough. I apologize. Yikes. And, and, and William, this is where sort of the midside view comes in and our experience with Tom Brady comes in is it seems to be that she didn't like how long he was playing football, right? Because he's, you know, one of the oldest successful players in history at this point. And that, you know, he, he's still continuing to play. And this isn't any usual player, William. Like, I would kind of get where she was coming from if this was just your average run-of-the-mill player. But this is literally the greatest player of all times. And he's made his career on his longevity. So there seems to be a disconnect here. And you could argue Brady has one and Giselle has one. But the bigger one for me is Giselle's, William. And it's you marry someone for who he is, and then you don't want him to be who he is. Do you see where I'm coming from? Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard because we're only seeing it from the outside, right? But uh, it's... When I hear the you know the rumor that oh he's not spending enough time with the uh, the family, but didn't we see a lot of the behind the scenes of the interactions you know with the with the family and during the off season and stuff like that? Like we've we've kind of seen a little bit of that from the outside, and you know maybe that's all show too, you know. But it's hard it's hard for me to be cynical about. Or it's it's easy for me sorry to be cynical when I hear someone, uh, who's obviously married someone that's on a different level of talent and i don't mean from them i mean just on a different level of talent like uh in their field and then uh you know having them i just can't imagine trying to hold someone back like that right and and yeah you decide to have a family and things like that and you should make those things a priority and there's ways to do that even during the season right there's ways that you can. We see players have their kids involved on the field and 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 bringing their family with them when they travel and things like that. That it can be done. All that being said, what is it, it's a head scratcher, isn't it, Justin? It's a complete head scratcher because even from the perspective of him not playing anymore, someone on his level in his field, as we see with football, tends to be involved with the game in season anyway. And, you know, maybe that doesn't have the same out-of-season preparation, and it's clearly not as intense in-season. But all these analysts, William, they're still traveling every week either to a game or the studio to participate in the shows, and they're doing prep by researching and watching film still. And he's already signed that lucrative deal with Fox. So it's not like he was going to suddenly, from the beginning of when their relationship it's not like he was suddenly going to have all this free time when he retired from playing the game itself yeah and and i think it goes a little deeper than that william i think she's been deeply dissatisfied with his involvement with football from the beginning because if you remember his time in new england she clearly hated the weather and hated the area and then that was also the first time he was skipping organized team activities, right? Those, the optional practices in the spring when he was in a relationship with her is when he started skipping those, right? When they got married and had kids is when he started getting more serious and skipping it. And maybe that's reasonable, but I do think that they had a deal, you know, in Tom versus time, he said he was trying to win seven Super Bowls, And later on, he, he's noted for saying he wanted to play till he was 45. He's now 45. He turned 45 in August. And I think he had a deal that 
he made with her. He would move to Florida and try and win his seventh, and he did, and he said he would play till he was 45, and I think that's why he retired in the offseason. But then I think he realized he didn't really want to, which is no surprise, and because he came back on that deal, I think that's what led to the eventual split. And it's just people are going to be who they're going to be, and you need to accept who you married and who you're in a relationship with. There's this idea, and this is certainly not limited to Tom and Giselle. It's not limited to our time period. It's the idea that people get into relationships and try to change people. And it's crazy, William, to see it on this level among these type of people, because especially here in the midside and with our philosophy in life, don't we try to look at these type of people and raise them up and think they're they're greater than and more heroic? Yeah. I, for me, I, 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 I look at this and I say, you know, like you said, there's an underlying premise here of, oh, they'll change or, or there's some sort of trade-off, right? And, and really like in a relationship, you, it's, it's about growing together and it's the growing part and the together part, right? Those are, those are separate things. It doesn't mean like you're growing, uh, you're, you're unchanging, right? That's the first thing that, uh, first kind of, uh mistake on one side of the coin and then the other one is the one you just pointed out which is oh i can change the other person and those are both errors uh the same kind of error right you know people are are going to be who they are and if they're then and if they have a kind of a growth mindset then they're going to change in certain ways becoming you know better and better people right better 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 themselves right and uh i it again it comes back to me it feels like not accepting that premise as a partner uh, is can lead to a lot of friction, right? And it could lead to uh, this kind of situation. Now, you know, who knows? Maybe he's completely selfing off his family. I don't know, right? But it doesn't seem like that. It doesn't seem like it, right? We don't see a lot of evidence of that. Right, and e- either he has the, the best PR team of all time, which he could with how much money he has, especially when they were married, or, you know, it, it's it's simpler than that. And I, I really do think it's simpler than that. I think it's just being unable to come to an agreement about what lifestyle they wanted in the long run. But I just, I'm just disappointed, William, because I think that it will come out that she was the reason he left the Patriots. And I'm disappointed to see negativity in the in the in the crossroads of, of a relationship like this how long do you how get long what before, I mean? yeah yeah uh how long before giselle uh starts dating pete davidson <laughs> uh uh not very long is the way it seems right all right all right so you heard that here first giselle bunched in a prediction pete now. davidson I, I, hey much more uh much more uh controversial than my prediction that we'll find out he's she's the reason he left the Patriots. Your prediction is she'll date Pete Davidson. Yep. All right. Talking about married couples who things are going to happen the way they're going to happen, right? And they're going to be the way they're going to be. Uh, the Pelosi's. Now, I will openly admit I don't know a lot about this story besides the fact that it sounds completely fucking made up because it's so goddamn bonkers, right? Uh But I do know the main thing here is uh, there's controversy over what really happened in regards to this story. So uh, Nancy Pelosi lives in San Francisco, correct? 
Uh, yeah, that's, that's where she's where, from. Yeah, that's where that's her district. Apparently, that's where she gets her haircut during COVID lockdowns. Right, that's where she gets her haircut during COVID lockdowns. So her her husband Paul, who's eighty two years old, right, which is part of the insanity of this story, right? Wow, was at home when somebody broke in with a hammer or or grabbed the hammer and attacked him, and he had surgery to repair a skull fracture. Uh, and as well as his right arm and hands. First of all, William, before we even get into the fact that somebody broke into their house and attacked him with a hammer, what 82-year-old gets a skull fracture and doesn't die? And I don't say that to be morbid, but that is a major cause of death for people that age and above. Yeah, definitely. Right? So the fact that, like, an 82-year-old was hit with a hammer, and I, I, I don't think he's in critical condition anymore, is he? I haven't heard any stories of that. I I was trying to see if there was a latest update. I know he was going into surgery, so it was uh he was in he was in he was in bad shape for a little while. They tried to downplay it, I think, at first, which was very strange to me because, like you said, like a skull fracture on a a skull fracture on, on someone that old is immediately a, could be life ending, right? Just well, yeah, because a skull fracture in general could be life ending, yeah. but like I think one of my grandmothers died because she fell and and had a skull fracture. And she was this older, a little older than this. Yeah. You get what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah, this is, you're not, your, your bones are not, uh, are not uh, exactly made of chalk at this age, but they get pretty close. And I think what you're saying about the downplaying, I think that's what's led to a lot of the conversation about all of this. Because for me, William, I don't know what, you know, there are rumors about what really happened and jokes and everything. But to me, when you say the word San Francisco... And then you say a guy broke into the home and attacked him with a hammer, right? My immediate thought is a homeless, mentally ill person. Yeah. And I'm and it's sort of like sure reaping what, what they sow. Yeah, that's what we're sort of finding out about this person. So it's crazy. It's a little crazy. He's mentally ill. He's been mentally ill for a long time. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's it's... The, it's the usual suspects, of course, are trying to make it political. I had one of my liberal friends say, "Oh, he was a he was a Republican." I was like, "What are you talking about? He was he was a homeless person who was mentally ill." I was like, "Oh, he he posted QAnon stuff a year ago on his Facebook," and I was like, uh, "He's mentally ill. Like, he I'm I'm sure he posted all sorts of conspiracy theories. Uh, that's what that's how that that's how it works." I remember our uh, in Long Beach we when a, when a uh, uh, we had our neighborhood homeless person. His name was Curtis, and he was constantly protecting us from the CIA. So does that make him a Republican or a Democrat? I don't know. He would but tell you getting... that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He would tell tell us that he was, uh, you know, cleaning up around uh, around the neighborhood, to make sure and keeping an eye out for the CIA. And he would let us know. That's funny. Yeah. Well, it's funny until it's become sad, like this, where well, right, you, know, you get a hammer to the face, right? Because that makes me right. wonder. That makes me wonder. Was this the neighborhood homeless guy or is this just random, right? Was this someone because the uh, people uh, this is one case where I am in favor of interpersonal hostility when it comes to mental illness, people uh, some people will see the same folks, same mentally ill folks. I don't want to call them homeless um, because it's inaccurate in this case. Uh, they're the same mentally ill folks every day and think that their behavior is predictable when it is not and that is so important and uh 
it makes me wonder if we're all, you know, everyone's speculating all sorts of conspiracies about this. How about this simple conspiracy of this could have been the neighborhood homeless person, right? People are saying, how did they get in? How did, how did they get so close? All this sort of, sort of stuff. You cannot, you cannot make predictions about folks who are in this kind of mental state, right? Right. It's, and getting, I think, it's getting scary out here. It's scary. Yeah, and, and, yeah, that's it's a it's a great, great point you're making, because when I say reap what you saw, I'm not trying to make sort of like a moral point about this. Right. I mean, it, perhaps it's in the proper use of the word moral, where if you don't live in line with reality, reality will get back at you. Right. Yeah, you, you know, yeah. there, there there's always an equal and opposite reaction type of deal. But I don't mean morality as far as like. Oh, well, you know, their policies mean they deserve to be hit in the head with a, a hammer because they don't. Right. I may disagree with, you know, Nancy Pelosi's policies and, and the things she says, but I don't think her or her husband designed to be hit in the head with a hammer by a mentally ill homeless person. What I'm saying is the policies lead to this. It leads to this tragedy. And the fact that they're the ones dealing with it is kind of insane because we have this image in this country that the political elite and the you know economic elite are protected from these kinds of things. But the fact that it even happened to, you know, the speaker of the house's husband is kind of insane. And I don't understand why these don't become sort of watershed moments. I, I, why, it's, why? I think it's even more insidious, Justin, like, I remember I just it, I'm going to integrate this with a complete other thing. that's not even a, a news story, but just to, to mention briefly, people were talking about uh, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Radley Balco, Radley, whatever his name is, the guy that does the uh, he's very much into demilitarizing the police and stuff like that. He was posting all these statistics because people were trying to say, um, you know, Republican states have higher crime than Democrat states or something like that. I don't remember what the exact thing was, but I immediately pushed the F to doubt, as we say in the video game lingo, be, uh, uh, of what he was putting as statistics, because I know in, in, I live, you know, I live in Dale's Lawn, of course, but I've got, I'm in Long Beach all the time. I've, I've uh, tried to avoid it, but I end up in LA a lot and Santa Monica, all these places, Venice Beach. All the assaults and uh, minor property thefts that are not reported in these big cities is astronomical compared to what would be in smaller cities or um, more suburban or um, rural areas. And so to compare these stats is just farcical, right? Like how I, I, how many people I, I know from talking to people and from people who, uh, 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 who are, uh, who work for me and things like that, how many people get accosted and assaulted walking their dog in Long Beach in downtown by homeless people? By these mentally ill folks it's it the number is it, it's not reported it's not capturing any stats so when you're saying like why aren't why aren't people up in arms about it i think that at least if even the subreddit for long beach uh is talking about the homeless problem justin i think it is there is some shift that's happening right now I hope so, because it's 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 not only where you are, William, it's even here, like the Wawa across the street from a Walmart here. There's homeless drug addicts out in front of it every morning to the point that I won't stop there. And sometimes I used to stop there. And it's it's what you said about, you know, they're unpredictable. 
and that's why you can't go there. Like, that's why I can't go there anymore. If, if you're reasonable, because you don't know what they're going to do. Because, William, without any infrastructure to deal with this issue, there's no way you as a person can individually deal with this issue. Because what are you going to do? Like, physically uh, restrain the homeless person? People, yeah, I can tell you what people have done. Moved out of downtown Long Beach. Well, right. Well, that's what I mean. It's the same. That's this, literally the same reaction of me not stopping at Wawa anymore, correct? Yeah, yeah. Because that's all you can do. Because there's no way you can confront the person because you don't know how they're going to react today, tomorrow, the next day. Yeah, it's uh, that unpredictability and the and that completely uncontrolled circumstances because you're out in public and there's things right. that get used as weapons. Uh, I can list them all if you... That would be a hilarious... Uh, uh, brainstorming of listing all the things I've seen the homeless folks use as wep- weapons out in downtown Long Beach. Um, yeah, it's uh, I, it, this is this is a serious thing that I think uh, I think uh, there's a you know there's an election going on right now. Um, well, in the next uh, the the um, early voting the mail-in voting is happening now. The voting is happening next week in California, and I think that there's going to be some. Uh, uh, there's going to be some upsets, I think, on some things because of this issue. Uh, and it's going to start, I think, on the local level. I don't think you're going to see it at the state level quite yet. But there's already a lot of folks talking about that. When even some of the smaller satellite cities are having these major problems, it's it's really going to be the top of mind for a lot of folks. A lot, a lot of normies. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Although it's hard to always tell what the quote-unquote normies are thinking because of how angry people get on the internet and how politicized <laughs> things can get. And True. a perfect example of that is the the recent Luke Bryan controversy. And this is something I just found out about earlier today before recording, but I thought it sort of like perfectly encapsulates the intersection between culture and politics that we always talk about and how things get so politicized. And it sort of uh, transitions as well into the rest of the episode And apparently what happened is on Friday, Luke Bryan at his Jacksonville concert. So remember, this is in the state of Florida. Had uh, Governor Ron DeSantis come out and talk to the crowd. This, of course, got uh, people very upset because they're saying he's. How dare he? Doesn't he he know he's a Republican? (laughs) Is he a Republican? I don't even know. Oh, no, I mean, you're saying DeSantis. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't he know right. he's a Republican? He's not allowed to come out and, and, and do a charity thing? Hell no. Yeah, Ron DeSantis is only allowed to to say things as long as the left lets him. And Luke Bryan is evil for enabling him, which is essentially what they said to him. But yeah. then Luke Bryan, I thought, had a very interesting statement. He said, I tip, he said this on his Twitter. I typically don't respond to stuff when I'm getting run down on a social platform, but here's the deal. I understand Governor DeSantis is a very polarizing figure. Now, can we pause there for a second, William? I am absolutely tired of people being labeled polarizing just because the left or the media decides they're polarizing. If you are here in Florida, people do not say negative things about DeSantis. Even yeah, if they DeSantis disagree Florida. with his politics. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. It's hard to call him uh, polarizing when he has such a broad supportive base in Florida as well. Right. right. 
Like it's not uh, like it, both things. Both things cannot be true at the same time. He's polarizing to the uh, coastal elite, and, and and polarizing is not even the right word. He's hated by the mainstream media. That's all it comes right. down to. Right, and they say because they hate him, that makes him polarizing. Because the, if they hate him, they're their own constituency, and then they're equal to everybody else who likes him. I mean, at the risk of being called uh, 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 a psychologicalizer, isn't this just peak narcissism? Everyone I mean, must th- be uh, the media. The media just says, "Well, everyone must feel like us." So if we don't like them, then he's clearly polarizing. I think you're being generous by doing that. I think it's very calculated in a way to make him seem worse than he is. I think it's the tactic they used with Trump. And I think that's the tactic they used for years with every other Republican presidential candidate. And I'm assuming DeSantis is going to run one day for president. And I think that's just what they do. They declare the other person evil. And then, you know, anyone who supports him in any way, they decry to try and make it socially unacceptable to support the person. But that's what makes this even more absurd, right? Luke Bryan has clearly gone out of his way. He even says, I've generally stayed out politics throughout my career. He, he's he's that must out mean of his he's way. conservative. This is blood in the water for the left wing media. That must mean right. he's conservative or at least not right. a social justice warrior. So right. he's clearly not a social justice warrior, especially being a country musician. Yep. But well, and, his and if reason- you have you have to stay out of politics if you're not. Right. Because uh, right. you're just not allowed to be. Right. But his reason for having DeSantis on the show, right, on the on stage speaking to people was even simpler than politics. Yeah. Now, the campaign is going on and I get, you know, that's what they're trying to argue. Right. Oh, well, during the campaign, he he shouldn't be allowed on, on a concert stage. Right. But is anyone really going to beat DeSantis this go around after everything that happened with the pandemic and the hurricane? No, he's pretty much untouchable, right? But it's even simpler than that. This is what what uh, Brian said, though, to finish out his statement. But I grew up in a country where if a governor asks you if you can come and raise awareness to help victims of a natural disaster, you help. And I think that's the really important thing here, William, that is ironic, right? The people politicizing this and calling DeSantis polarizing are the ones who are making it polarizing in a backwards kind of way. Because all he's saying is it doesn't matter what state I'm in. If the governor, the president, whoever wants to come on and talk about helping people who survived the natural disaster, Hurricane Ian, that's something you should do. And isn't he right about that? Well, didn't didn't we have a bunch of sports teams uh, decide not to go to the White House because it was evil Trump Hitler, right? And this is the opposite of that, right? This is someone saying, "Hey, this is the like you know, I may not be a supporter of may or may not be a supporter of the person holding the office, but the office uh, demands my you know that I respect, and so therefore I do I behave in this way." Right, and it's even it's an even more slam dunk decision than the White House. And what I mean by that, William, is. This is in the wake of a natural disaster. It's not like he wanted to come on and talk about how awesome Luke Bryan is. He wanted to come on and talk about how to help the victims of Hurricane Ian. When you go to the White House after you win, it's just the president going, yay, you won. Congratulations. And I can kind of sympathize if you think the president is evil, not showing up. Like, I kind of get it. Yeah. I I would still go and I I still think it's an amazing honor. What it symbolizes is the American people thinking. Right. right? Because he's the one person that's elected by all all the people yeah 
No, I'm not saying I agree with it. I would still go, and I still think it's an honor to go up there and shake whoever the president's hand for winning, you know, the title in your sport. But what I'm saying is here is even simpler than that, because this involves literally people whose lives were destroyed or changed based on something beyond our control. But we shouldn't really be surprised because they'll go after petty things as well. Yeah. And when we're talking about country music, there was a, a, a leftist country music artist because Taylor Swift has shown to been shown to be a leftist, right? She came out with that. She originally was like Luke Bryan and didn't want to get political. And that's the other thing, William, I want to caution you about before we say Luke Bryan's a conservative. I think it's a little different nowadays when you're a country music artist because you don't want to alienate your typically right-wing audience by saying you're left-wing. Do you get what I'm saying? Maybe. I don't know. Taylor Swift could really only come out like that, admit to that, until she went mainstream. And then she had support yeah. beyond country music. Yeah. But that doesn't stop them from going after her. So she released a whole new album recently called Midnights, and she did a music video for a song called Antihero. And on her Instagram, she said... That it was meant to, the, the, the video is meant to portray nightmare scenarios and intrusive thoughts. And one example was she would get on a scale, and rather than it showing her weight, the word fat would come up. So, of course, what did Taylor Swift have to do, William? But take the video down, <laughs> and now it just says a number on it. So, the, the Wait, original. Wait, what number version, does it say, though? <laughs> I don't know. Because this could still be fat phobic. <laughs> Well, no, you're the one projecting onto the number, right? I mean, I haven't, Wait, I haven't watched. You're the, the one projecting onto the fat. <laughs> I'm not calling it fat phobic. <laughs> I know, but the, the 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 same argument I say say can be made for the say the word fat. Like, is well, the point is, they didn't like that she was portraying negative and intrusive thoughts as saying you shouldn't be fat because it it shouldn't matter what weight she is. And this, you know, this is in the long tradition of like, remember when Adele got skinny and everyone got mad at her? Oh, I know. Yeah, right. how dare she? I mean, this is a perfect example of how far down it goes, the politicizing, right? People don't see this as politicizing, but it is. Like, first of all, if it's Taylor Swift's own video, she should be allowed to put whatever value she wants in, into it. But also, being fat is a bad thing. And I also think it's probably more complicated than that. Obviously, Taylor Swift is not fat. And she's talking about struggling with self-image in this video, which you've now undermined by making it seem like, oh, fat isn't a bad thing, so she has nothing to worry about. So you've cut off a number of things here by having an agenda about fat phobia. Yeah, isn't this anti-woman? Aren't you silencing a woman right now? Uh, not you, Justin, but the, the, uh, the royal you that said she had to take this down. They're, I mean, you could just generally they're say that about me. Yeah, they're I mean, silencing. I don't let my wife on this podcast, right? So that's silencing <laughs> that's her. That's silencing her. Uh, <laughs> that's silencing her lived experience, too. I mean, this is like multiple social justice sins. So does this mean if we're, if we're uh, you know, looking at our oppression Olympics uh, standings, does this mean fat phobia is above women? I mean, a lot of things are going above women these days. You know, trans women are going above women and, uh, and uh, now... Now, I guess fat is going above women. I mean, I think that that's gone above women for a long time. 
And I think it's a, an interesting point you're making. Of, you know, you're being a little facetious about there being rankings because I don't. They're obviously I think aren't conscious rankings, but the the subconscious rankings that exist. I mean, this can only be based upon. We've talked about this before. The death principle, right? The idea that when you hold these beliefs, you can inevitably only in the long run worship death. And this is a perfect example of it, yeah. right? Taylor Swift is making a point about. You know, what is a healthy way to worry about your, your body and your appearance? And what is a way to become unhealthy about it? And and that's the thing that gets lost in this fat phobia stuff, right? Like, I certainly agree, you know, you can't disagree with the existence of eating disorders, right? They exist, right? You can't disagree that people have unhealthy body images. And I certainly agree there is a line where people are unhealthy about it, even with the fitness stuff. Yeah. But that discussion is lost when you make it all about fat phobia, because these people, right, who hold these beliefs can only ultimately be worshiping death. So then Taylor Swift is wrong for wanting to, on some level, have negative nightmare scenarios and intrusive thoughts at all, because to them, every thought should be an intrusive thought in a nightmare scenario. The fact that she's even trying to distinguish that those things exist is, is the problem they're having ultimately, isn't it? Yeah, I think there's a there's a kind of a there's this it's not just a denial of reality because that, that doesn't sound like a strong enough word. It's like a uh, it's an attempted refutation, right? It's like it's like yes. actively like like just it's a defiance. Yeah, it's it's Adam it's, Carolla talks about oppositional defiance disorder, yeah, right? Or used to yeah. it a while ago about how he always was around people like that. But part of narcissism, I think, or maybe it leads to narcissism, it's hard to know what causes which, or, you know, they probably cause each other, is this idea that even you're not even shackled by reality. And in order to prove that, you're just going to thumb your nose at reality and show how flawed and evil it is. And that I think that's what you're pointing out, William. Yeah. Okay. Whew. Well, maybe we have something a little lighter to talk about. Uh, I mean, it sort of is, but it sort of isn't, right? I mean, a follow-up, right? A follow-up from one of our favorite topics here, the midside, is over this past week, they've tried to cancel Kanye West. And when I say they, I mean everyone, right? It's it's. Wait, it's, I thought that it was just the Jews. That's what Kanye said. <laughs> well, as always, there's good stuff and bad stuff in what Kanye said, right? And, and we'll sort of talk about the two of them, right? But first, like, let's kind of just run down the they, right? Because I hate using the term they, right? It makes me feel like we sound like QAnon or, or the far right, William. Because I know, I know. It, well, it's become especially hard in today's society because of social media. And you mm -hmm. can't track down every person on it who's saying things. And you can't make an exhaustive list of the people who's doing these things. So it feels sort of like a, a nebulous, anonymous they, but there is you know, a large amount a mob. And, right. and this is something like the I'm a I'm a staunch individualist, but mob behavior is a well-documented human thing. And we see it constantly in social media. And this is another mobbing. This is a mobbing. And I know I, I've gotten in trouble in the past for, for calling these things out as as mobs. This is a, this is a mob. This is irrational behavior. I'm not saying everything Kanye said is true or correct or, or kosher or anything. Right. But we are seeing the mob behavior right now. 
And this is no. Like, we, we've pointed out how most of what he said is wrong. Right? Exactly. We did. We did that last episode. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, but we could still call it the mob behavior because that's this, right. that's the culture thing. That's the problem. Right. And the, and, and the mob behavior is Adidas has dropped him. That you know they had an endorsement deal with him. That's no more. Uh, Madame Tussauds Wax Museum removed his figure. Right. Peloton refuses to have any new classes play his music and any class that had his music in the past they're not promoting it using their algorithm on their platforms anymore on their app right in their website right and here's the thing that's crazy to me about this William and again this is just like what I was saying with the last story like I have sympathy for the idea of like unhealthy body images and unhealthy eating patterns and and not being able to deal with you know, what is actually healthy weight and unhealthy weight, right? But I don't have, uh, I don't have sympathy for the idea that there's, you know, fat phobia is a bad thing, right? It's the same thing here. Remember when Michael Jackson, all that stuff came out that he was indeed a pedophile and everyone's like, we need to never listen to his music ever again, yeah. right? I have sympathy for that. Like, I get where you're coming from. Like, pedophilia is one of the worst things you can do in the entire world. Now, there are legitimate questions as how do you erase someone who is so influential in the culture from the culture. But now we're having that same conversation again about Kanye West, who just held a belief you didn't like or made a statement you didn't like. I mean, I even think he came out and said that he was only saying that to troll people, essentially. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So... Is this a legitimate reason to forget that Kanye is a musical artist that many people love? I don't even love Kanye as a, a musician, and I'm kind of saying maybe we shouldn't like erase Kanye. Yeah, I, I don't. I, for me, this is, this is. It's interesting because he's a nonconformist in a way, and that is what made him unique back in you know in in the olden days right of the culture and he like we were saying before to to tie it back to uh tom brady and giselle um he hasn't changed that fundamental part of himself he still he still questions the conformity and that is unacceptable in, in today's culture in a different way than it was back in the in the 90s yeah, so Kanye is going to Kanye, and he's not really doing anything beyond what we already expect, and now we already know of him, and now he's being canceled for it. It doesn't really make any sense. And then yeah. you, I think, there's there's two things about this by implication. And I want, the first thing I want to talk about is the one you shared, the, the, the tweet you shared, right? I don't know who this guy is. Who's this guy that tweeted this way, this Jeremy Kaufman guy? Uh, I don't know. I'll let me look it up. Okay. While you're, uh, while you're but about. this tweet says if you replace the word whiteness with Jewishness, pretty much every major news publication sounds like Kanye. So then underneath of it is photoshopped uh, article headlines, except the, the word whiteness was replaced with Jewishness. Yeah. A Guardian headline How Jewishness Poses the Greatest Threat to U.S. Democracy. Opinion America's Problem is, This is the Washington Post. America's Problem is Jewish. People keep backing the Republican Party. So, William, isn't even the absurdity, the greater absurdity than this? Going back to the question I was asking about, should we forget Kanye right now? Like, isn't yeah. this just showing it's just he doesn't hold the right positions? 
it's it's to me i wish we had the same kind of standard for racism and 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 anti-semitism like if we had the same standard for all of the isms right but we don't right we we have this crazy um standard that that uh, it gets back to what we've talked about a thousand times before, which is it, it's a religious standard, right? We have this religious catechism uh, of beliefs and 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 conformity that just has to be this way, and that's uh, Kanye just is never going to li- be able to live in that kind of world. And this Jeremy Kaufman, the, his uh, his Twitter bio says uh, future senator from New Hampshire, and he has a bunch of. Uh, a bunch of uh, spoof political ads. So he sounds like a good, uh, sounds like a good guy, and uh, and he's followed by Zuby. So that's that's a ringing endorsement. Yeah, and do we think he photoshopped these himself? I uh, probably, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, good tweet there, and it's a great point that that led to to your point. And and the point I want to make about this is, I think Kanye is showing in this, or Ye as he likes to go by. I think Ye is showing that he is uncancelable. And I think he's showing how to be uncancelable. So I guess he co- sort of gave a, a, a press conference or whatever about all this. Uh, There's an article on consequence of sound or consequence no, it sound. It was more like he was wandering around and the press accosted him. But uh, that, that could be a press conference, I guess. I mean, it, that's just sort of the way we do press conferences nowadays, right? That's true. It does call it impromptu press conference with paparazzi on Friday night, which is kind of how TMZ operates. And... Oh, something he said is a perfect example of good yay, bad yay. Right? I just want to read that right now. So this is what he said. When I questioned the death of George Floyd, it hurt my people. I wanted to apologize because God has showed me by what Adidas is doing, by what the media is doing. I know what it feels to have a knee on my neck right now. So I want to be clear that that is the bad yay part of this, right? Like, dude. Even it, like clearly he agrees because he had earlier said he agrees with Black Lives Matter and it showed the cops are racist and everything. This is the worst possible way you could present the metaphor you're trying to say. Right. Terrible, terrible, terrible rhetoric. Yeah. But the psychology he demonstrates here shows how to be uncancelable. And that, that's the good part of this. Right. And then he says, so thank you, God, for humbling me and letting me know how it really felt. Because how could the richest black man ever be humbled other than be made to not be a billionaire in front of everyone off a comment? So first of all, stop trying to cancel people with so much money, right? I mean, this is what Adam Carolla says, where these are people who need to feel powerful by making the rich bend to their uh, bend to their will, right? Remember, uh, I think a great portrayal of this is in Batman versus Superman, when Lex Luthor gets Superman to, to kneel before him and he says, now God bends to my will. I mean, I think that's a, exactly the hatred of the good that's, that goes on when we try and cancel these rich people. But I think the way Kanye is responding here, and I don't think he's, I want to be clear. I don't think he's doing this on purpose, William. I think this is just no. his psychology based upon what you said earlier about he's just, he always is an anti-conformist. Yeah. He is showing the best mentality to have is it isn't about the money. It isn't about the popularity. It's about trying to grow and become the best person person within yourself. And that's what he's saying that he understands 
what's going on now. And this situation actually is better for him. And I think that's why Kanye is uncancelable, William, not because he's rich, but because it doesn't matter what you do to him. He's always going to say it's what's best for him. And he's always going to have the mindset that it's going to work out for him. Now, is that because he's a narcissist? I don't know. Like I said, Kanye is a mixed bag, which is why he's so fascinating as a public figure. And this quote shows that. Right. The way he makes the George Floyd thing about him, the way he makes the, the canceling thing about him, but the way he's willing to step back and say, wow, they may be not a billionaire anymore. Maybe I should watch what I say and watch what I do. But he's not really canceled because he's going to go on living his life and he's going to be fine. Yeah. And he's going to keep making music. How do you stop him? That's the point. Even if he didn't have money, he would find a way to do it because that's his mentality. And that's the good part of him that keeps shining through. Can we agree on that? I think so. All right. Is there anything else you want to say about any of this insane amount of, of farce? <laughs> no, but I'm, I'm, I, I guess it's the season, the, the season of farce. It's the, you know, it's the holiday season. Farce should increase. I guess it, we're getting close to, you know, Midterm elections, so the farce uh, will increase. I think it's the the midterm elections which is making the farce increase. To be honest, yeah. I think they're they're looking for reasons to make people feel like they need to pick what group we belong in, right? Yes. Divide Join people. Join my into groups. tribe, or you are evil. Right, and also we tend to get all of this out of our system before the holiday season. Right. We have this cleansing of all the darkness for Halloween. And then we go into we all love each other for two months. And then after that, it's like, oh, man. oh remember how your family family's Thanksgiving? <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say. Then it was remember how my how terrible your family was in Thanksgiving and Christmas. <laughs> all right. But that actually leads perfectly into the movie I want to review this week. It's a uh, family drama movie, sort of. Let's get into it in. The Hopeful Romantic with JML. Put me into syndication. Broadcast to a network station of people viewing their favorite episodes. I can't find a new pitch to throw the studio. I need a rerun. Better cast the next series of events. In the air timeline lapse, my major TV type was written off. In the last season when I wasn't focused on. As always, if you'd like to continue the conversation with us during the week, you can do so by joining our Discord channel. We love it when you drop news stories in there or drop topics for us to discuss, or you can participate in Trailer Takedown. I usually put the trailers in there the Saturday before we record our episode. Just go to the midside.com or the midside.com slash podcast, click on any episode link, and in there you will find the link to join the Discord. This week, William, I saw the movie Ticket to Paradise, starring George Clooney, Julia Roberts, and Caitlin Deaver. Uh, Caitlin Deaver is most known for her time on the show Last Man Standing, but she's been in a bunch of uh, movies recently. Um, wide release is the term we're looking for, a bunch of wide release movies, so she's really growing as a, as a, a known star, and I, th- I think she deserves it. She's pretty good. Uh, here is... M- well, let me just say this. I saw. Do you remember when we did the uh, the trailer takedown for this? I think so. I think I tackled this one though. Yeah. So I I mainly saw this because my wife wanted to see it, and I was like, okay, you know, it looks it looks uh, affable. 
you know how they describe a person as affable and it's just yeah. kind of like I don't dislike that person, but I don't like them either. They're, they're fine. They're affable. That's what I thought this movie would be, right? I was wrong. Here's my one-sentence review of this on my letterboxed. The talent of Clooney, Roberts, and up-and-comer Deaver is the only thing that makes this underdeveloped and trite affair tolerable. This movie is about Caitlin Deaver just graduated from college or law school. It's very unclear. But she's about to become a lawyer, I believe, in Chicago. It's not really clear what city. And then she goes to Bali on a trip with her friend, who's the stereotypical, like, party college girl. And in Bali, she falls in love with a seaweed farmer. While Smash Cut to the Future and her divorced parents come to Bali, and they're both unhappy because they want to stop her wedding because they don't want her to throw her life away. Because she's decided... Take it to paradise that Bali is a paradise and living with this man she fell in love with as who's a seaweed farmer that that's a better life for her and the parents aren't willing to accept that I, I think what they were going through in the movie was like trying to to make a story about like parents uh, you know not letting the kids live their own life because they're trying to correct the mistakes of the that they made in their own life. Uh, there's a line where Caitlin Deaver's character says that. But the main problem with this is that everything is so shallow that none of it makes sense. The characters are all one-dimensional. They all have, like, one specific personality trait. And even the portrayal of Bali itself, it borderlines on... It borders on fetishization of the culture. Like, even my wife was like, this This director, is the director from Bali? Or is the director obsessed with Bali? Because it's like, why is this considered paradise? You know, and it's shot in a very, you know, rom-com way, and it's shot in a very romantic way in the sense that it's not trying to be naturalistic and low colors and make it look ugly. It's trying to make it look beautiful. But there's... You, know, you could be a normal farmer and live in, in places that look beautiful that just don't have the ocean. So what is it about Bali? And why is this girl idealing, I, I, idealizing this life in Bali? None of this is ever addressed. And it, it just seems very weird that it's like, oh, here's a here's a um, exotic culture and they live on, a, on an island. Oh, it must be the perfect place to live. I would hope we've moved past these sort of stock plot points or things that stand in. And I think that's been a large problem with Hollywood is they've they've done this. They've been like, oh, it's a it's a tropical island, so it must be paradise. Right? And look, I said seaweed farmer a couple times. The guy that she asked him about how he makes money off of it, and you know, he talks about they ship it off to other places and it gets sold in places like Whole Foods. There's nothing wrong with the career as a seaweed farmer, William. I want to be very clear about that. The problem with the movie is not the guy's career or anything. The problem is just there's no why to why any of this is done and why any of this is considered better. So I would give this uh, my second worst ranking. This is a this is a no bro. There's there's really no reason to to see this movie. Even if you are a fan of George Clooney and Julia Roberts, I I don't think you're going to really get enjoyment out of this movie. It's just so shallow. It's so paint by the numbers. 
All right, that's a movie that's out. Let's talk about some movies that are going to come out. It's time for Trailer Takedown. We put the trailers in the Discord the Saturday before we record, so you can watch them after we talk about them or watch them before we talk about them, or you can alternate. You watch a trailer, we talk about it. You watch a trailer, we talk about it. Trailer Takedown. First trailer. The Payday is a British movie about a bank heist. And I really don't have much more to say about it. What I'll say is this. Uh, I get the trailers from comingsoon.net slash trailers. That's where I go to see all the new release trailers. And every once in a while, they have like an exclusive trailer. It'll say on the site, exclusive trailer uh, threaded in in there. So they'll have the list. And then it'll say this is an exclusive trailer. I assume that means the trailer is exclusive to their site. Uh, I also assume that means somebody paid them to put the trailer on the site. Because every time I've taken a risk, William, and I put one of these trailers on Trailer Takedown, I've been disappointed. And I've wondered, and I'm especially wondering now, how much money is ComingSoon.net making off of these exclusive trailers? Like, How much are people paying them for this placement? Because this trailer is absolutely terrible. I saw that it said released in the United States and England, and it was an exclusive trailer, and I was like, okay, you know, if it's being released in both countries, it must have some sort of quality to it, because if it's being backed financially on that level, but it was just, this trailer was just people talking about a bank heist. And I don't know if that's because it was on a computer and it's using hacking. I don't know, it was unclear how they were going to steal the money, but it was one of those you're going to make $5 million in an hour's work, so you should do this. And just a bunch of people talking. It was completely uninteresting, unoriginal. I don't even know how somebody makes a movie like this and thinks it's a good idea. Like, when I come up with stories, I try to think of something. Let me put it this way. A story is supposed to be told because it has to be told because it's different from every other story that's out there. I don't see how someone makes something like this without knowing that and they must just not know that idea so they just make it because they want to make something there's probably a lot we can unpack there psychologically but i'm just going to end what i'm saying with the tackle tackle for a heist movie there was no car chases no guns no violence of any kind maybe a little bit of uh uh moving around quickly but yeah this seemed like I can imagine this trailer being cut more like a Mr. Robot, right? And that would have made more sense, at least been more interesting. But this was just the, the, this was worse than uh, talking than a WB show where they get around and talk about their feelings. They're talking about they're they're negotiating the heist contract during the entire uh, preview. It was it was dumb. No thing. Tackle. Tackle. Second trailer. Plane stars Gerard Butler as the pilot of a plane that goes down in what looks like the Philippines. And in this way, it was weird because it was kind of like Bali where it's like, oh, here's an exotic culture we don't understand. They're dangerous and they want to kill anyone. So Gerard Butler and the, uh, and excuse me for using this language, but the black guy from Alphas then have to get all the passengers to safety because these evil Filipinos <laughs> I don't even understand. I was just, I was I'm sitting next to my 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 Filipino wife in the theater when this trailer comes on, and I'm like, Are "You weirded out by this as I am?" She's like, "Yeah, it's weird, right?" But it does look well shot. I will say that. But for 
for the the premise alone, I'm sorry, I have to tackle this. Tackle. Yeah, well, there's guns and there's chases, uh, so that's a plus. But yeah, I we're so we have to be so politically correct that we now have to creepily implicate it that it's Filipinos that we're fighting against as the bad guys, right? They couldn't like have this like land in China or you know that's usually what it is, right? I guess it wouldn't be wouldn't take in China if that were to. I don't know. Like, okay, we made up a, uh, an island that looks suspiciously like the Philippines. And we're going to fight some definitely well, not Well, maybe Muslim shot in terrorists. the Philippines. Yeah, a lot well, of Marvel gonna, movies are shot in the Philippines. Yeah, and we're going to definitely, uh, they're going to definitely not be Muslim terrorists that uh, won't let people pass through uh, safely. And yeah, we're going to make a movie about it. I don't know. I'm less, uh, I'm less pessimistic. This one is uh, definitely one that I could watch uh, while on the plane. So I'm going to give this a Netflix and hug. Netflix and hug. Third trailer. The Sun is a Hugh Jackman movie about a divorce guy who takes custody of his son and then tries to raise him. I think that's an accurate description, but there is no way I can describe this trailer in a way that's interesting. And this goes back to what I was saying about the first trailer. What about your story makes it have to be told? Like, I don't understand why someone was like, I'm going to cast all of these award-winning actors in this movie about a guy trying to raise his son after being divorced. It just, even though the cinematography looks nice, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. And this guy apparently also made a movie called The Father. So I don't like, this is, this is bizarre to me. This is like Hugh Jackman does naturalism to try and get an Oscar is the, the best possible interpretation I can give this, which, of course, leads to hug. Uh, tackle, sorry. Tackle. I don't know why I said hug. <laughs> you just want to hug Hugh Jackman. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and tell him it's okay. You don't have to do movies like this to get an Oscar, okay? Uh, yeah, uh, you know, I don't know. that. This could be done in a good way, and I just watching the trailer, though, you can just tell that it's not done in a good way. This is not some sort of coming of age or like reconciliation story this is a slice of life um yeah i don't know like what what can you say this is just oscar made i think that's the only thing that i think you're right that's the only conclusion you can draw uh no thank you tackle final trailer taurus stars mgk as an artist who Seems to be, I mean, I think they, they spelled it out in the trailer where they said this is about, you know, a cautionary tale about the self-destructiveness of the modern day artist, right? That was one of the reviews. And very rarely do I think reviews get it, but I think they got this. And that's what this looks like. It looks like supernaturalistic, just like, oh, here's how fame and, and you know being a famous artist are evil and destructive. And there are interesting points to be made there, but I don't know why it has to be shot naturalistically. and. I don't know, the wig always being in MGK's face just kind of threw me for a loop. Maybe that was just the first 30 seconds, but I was like, why can I never see his face? This is a movie like I want to like, but based on the cinematography and the directing, I just can't like it. Tackle. Tackle? <sighs> Justin, when you're right, you're right. I... I can imagine this being shot more like, and this is going to sound ridiculous, but uh, maybe you'll agree, shot more like uh, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood or something like that, right? And then it making more Yeah, sense. that's the same like, kind of movie. 
yeah. or Babylon. Babylon yeah. is going to be this, but better. This is Babylon with not as good in with, with MGK bad cinematography. Yeah, right. It's yeah. not. It's not MGK's fault. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I love the MGK, but this movie is not for me. Tackle. Tackle. Okay, William. I tack, uh, I triggered the four tackle oh. rule, and I knew that was going to happen. And I kind of juiced it a little bit because I could have just hugged the movie, but I didn't because I wanted to to point out how ridiculous it was. The only movie that's any at all watchable and out of these four is Plane, because it's a Hell typical yeah. Gerard Butler movie. That's right. right. Gunfire explosions right. and clear, there's, a, there's a clear you, plot with co- progression. <laughs> and you can watch it ironically tongue-in-cheek about the whole idea of evil Filipinos. Exactly. Those militant Filipinos are as bad as the Viet Cong. <laughs> and I'm not saying they can't be as dangerous as a culture. I'm just saying it's like it's like you said, this seems like it should have been set in Vietnam during the Vietnam War. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, William, what did we learn this trip? I learned of the dangers of crash landing in the Philippines. Justin, <laughs> what did you learn this trip? Uh, I learned to hide all my hammers so no homeless person could break in and crack my skull with it when I'm 82 years old. So I won't own any hammers the older I get. Uh, This brings us to the end of our trip into the midside. I want to thank everyone for joining us. As always, if it wasn't for you, I would just be a crazy person talking into the corner of my closet. I still am that, but at least I don't have a hammer and I'm not crushing your skull with it. Uh, if you want to support the skull, you can go to the midside.com slash store. Uh, there's a lot of merch there. You can also go to Patreon or locals. That's the midside.com slash Patreon, the midside.com slash locals. Uh, there's my book. You can buy that at the midside.com slash the cut or just go to Amazon and search for my name. All of this is how we keep the lights on, but how we grow the show is we tell a friend, especially a female friend. Yeah, that's gendered. Remember, I disavowed everything at the beginning of the episode, so you can't cancel me. And the other reason you can't cancel me is I'm like Kanye. I'm uncancelable. This concludes your journey into the midside. I'm Justin Emlesneski reminding you that if things get tough, Take a step back and witness the farce. Tom, call me. I'm single too. My wife and I actually posited that Tom perhaps ends up with Anna de Armas now, which is ironically every Boston fan's worst nightmare. And what I mean by that is that's Ben Affleck's ex. And I think every Boston fan, every Patriots fan's worst nightmare is Tom Brady takes your ex. But also because it's Ben Affleck's ex, I think that makes it more likely because he could introduce the two of them. Oh, man. Crazy.